0: CJAM 99.1 FM programming is hosted almost exclusively by community volunteers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are that of the host and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM FM. For more information and resources, visit our website at cjam.ca. Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on CJAM's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on C-Jam 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit.
1: To HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out I-C-H-A Windsor on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. In this segment of our show... Jess Silver will be giving us an update on Flex for Access. All right. So in November, you did a major event for Flex for Access, and I uh, was wondering, what are the goals for the year ahead?
2: Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I want to start by thanking you for attending our third annual gala fundraiser, which took place on uh, Wednesday, November 16th. It was a great event. We had over 120 attendees there with many of the industry st- holders and uh, amazing speakers and, and entertainment and the goals for Flex for Access for the coming year are to continue to have our momentum be ramped up and leverage and amplify relationships with um, current partners and also onboard new partners to be working with to facilitate opportunities for adaptive fitness and sport promotion within mainstream settings. Um, so when I say to onboard new partners, It means that the organization will be looking for new organizations and um, corporations for uh, funding and support, and also to work with gyms, studios, yoga instructors, strength and conditioning coaches, and educators in the field of kinesiology to uh, leverage and amplify opportunities for knowledge translation of adaptive fitness and sport promotion, and also to, more importantly, Um, increase the amount of programming that the organization has and develops across the country.
1: So, for those who aren't as familiar with Flex for Access's mission, why do you find it's important to have accessible opportunities within fitness for people with disabilities?
2: Great question. So, the reason why um, I'm a strong advocate and proponent uh, for adaptive fitness and sport promotion and really physical activity for individuals who have physical disabilities and also disabilities of another nature but the organization focuses on physical disabilities is because physical literacy and engaging with um, fitness is very important for an individual's quality of life and when we're physically active it directly correlates and affects our mental health and really our performance on a daily basis that is not specific to a sport or not specific to being in the gym, but just as we perform as individuals, you know, as professionals and as human beings, to be at our highest level and to be most engaged in what we're doing and feel good and feel positive. So that's why I believe that it is most important for these opportunities to be facilitated for individuals and also widely accessible for individuals that have physical disabilities and or acquired injuries. Um, and the reason why I founded Flex for Access is, for those listeners who don't know, is because I myself have cerebral palsy, um, which is a physical physical condition, physical disability that I was born with. And I found that um, I have a very strong passion for sport uh, and fitness. And I know that it's really allowed me to develop more independence and, you know, feel good about my body and also strengthen my mental health. Um, and really take charge of of my emotional health through engaging in fitness. And the reason why I founded the organization was because uh, I realized as an adult that these opportunities were not widely accessible to individuals who have physical disabilities within the mainstream. Rather, it was that if I wanted to go and be physically active, I had to go to a specialized center or rehabilitation center or a hospital, for example to be physically active and so I realized that this disconnect existed and I wanted to change um, not only the attitude towards individuals like myself who have a physical disability within the mainstream larger society but also to, (coughs) sorry, to develop the opportunities within mainstream settings Um, and I have been active at a high performance functional fitness level for over a decade. Um, at the high performance level, and I found that those opportunities were not ever present and it wasn't something that was, you know, top of mind for mainstream society and also for fitness professionals, so that's why I endeavored to develop the organization of Flex for Access to create these opportunities that are mainstream. And our organization focuses largely, and even more so throughout the pandemic, on education and knowledge translation of fitness, sport um, and also the you know professors who teach physical literacy and kinesiology for example at universities and colleges across the country to be working with them so that curriculum can actually be developed for students that go into the fields so that there isn't a stigma and a fear associated with working with individuals who have disabilities but rather that it's you know something that is understood as being like readily accessible and also so very important for individuals' uh, quality of life. And also another important point to note is that it's so important for an individual with a physical disability um, or injury to be physically active from the perspective of looking at it as a preventative. So when I train, when I go to the gym or when I train at home, I always think about it as... I'm doing this not only to manage my condition, but also to prevent further atrophy and to prevent further onset of diseases and, you know, health issues. So that's why I think it's so important. Um, And it's really so important for these opportunities to exist within the mainstream, because we are individuals who find ourselves part of the larger society, and we should have access to all of the opportunities that other individuals do.
1: So that being said, as a trailblazer, so to speak, as one who's uh, pushed to open those doors and uh, get it into the mainstream, do you find that the community is typically responsive to the idea of, yes, we're people too, yes, we have the strength and the capability to excel in our given sport and be athletes?
2: (laughs) So, you know, it's interesting, because I, I want to go off on a on a positive note right away and respond to you and say, oh, yeah, you know, society is very re- uh, receptive of the work that I do um, and recognizes the importance. And I have to say that it's taken a lot of work on my part and a lot of um, writing as well, a lot of advocacy from, you know, Uh, examining policies, for example, and writing different articles for those listeners who don't know. I'm also a writer. I'm a medical writer, um, as well as being a writer for, you know, different sectors and industries. And a lot of my work that I focus on now largely is focused on fitness and sport promotion because of the work with Flux for Access um, that I've done and that that I do. And, you know, it's taken a lot of breaking. I don't want this to sound cliche, but there's Like, I want to use this phrase, you know, breaking down the attitudinal barriers or breaking down the glass ceilings that um, society still presents us, and when I say us, I mean individuals that have physical disabilities or disabilities of another nature with, because um, there's still kind of this, I want to say almost, they're slow to realize that individuals that have disabilities are really not that different from the rest of individuals that don't have visible disabilities. And I always say that we all, regardless of who we are, have our limitations, just some of them are more visible than others. So I would say that, yes, mainstream society is coming around, but it's taken a lot of work and time and advocacy on different levels. Um, and the organize- my organization, Flex for Access, has lots of um, relationships with uh, government officials, for example, as well. Um, you know, lots of advocacy and development of programming and talking to these individuals who occupy large roles in society um, or powerful roles in society to realize that these opportunities need to be mainstream. And really, sometimes, I don't know if it's to say that it's a professional's fault of their own. I don't want to be accusatory, um, but I don't think that it's necessarily a professional's fault. But what I've experienced a lot from my own personal journey, fitness journey, and also um, just story of, you know, being an individual that has cerebral palsy, uh, my physical disability, is that professionals, um, maybe it's no fault of their own, but they they haven't worked with an individual that has a disability, for example, maybe. And so that's why they're apprehensive and they're afraid and they're unsure of how to do it. So that's where I step in as an adaptive fitness consultant, an adaptive personal trainer, and also the founder of Flex for Access to teach these professionals how they can actually incorporate curricula into uh, their teaching and into the work that they do, whether they're a gym owner, a trainer, a yoga instructor, or whether they're a professor. Um, And that's really also one of the goals for Flex for Access is to continue to develop um, that curricula and more policy and have more support of, as I was mentioning, the, um, you know, political, uh, for example, individuals who are, who are in politics and who develop policy to support the organization. And of course, um, one thing that we want to also focus our attention on is on doing both combination of small and large events for fundraising and also for outreach and education for the organization.
1: I thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Yep. Yeah. In this segment of our show, Robert Burley will be telling us about Muscular Dystrophy UK. So, can you tell me a little bit about MD UK?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, Muscular Dystrophy UK, or MD UK is a charity based in the UK, Um, And we support the 110,000 people uh, in the UK who live with one of um, 60 different muscle wasting conditions. Um, We've been in existence for around 60 years um, and we um, fund and support medical research into the condition. We provide direct support to people living with the condition um, and we campaign for better services and better access to society for people who are affected by the conditions that we cover. So...
1: What are some of the most common barriers facing someone with one of these disorders?
0: So a muscle-wasting condition will affect people in a number of different ways. Um, so at their most severe, the conditions we cover will affect babies from birth and unfortunately mean that babies may not um, live beyond being one or two. Um, other, uh, other conditions we cover will only affect people later in life and they'll affect people's um, ability to to move around and be um, as mobile as as, as they were when they were younger. So the barriers really um, cover a vast array um, of of issues. So common barriers are physical barriers, so just being able to access buildings and transport if you're in a wheelchair or have limited mobility. Um, But then also there are sort of attitudinal, attitudinal barriers, so things like being able to... Um, have a flexible employment to cope with your fatigue um, or being able to access the benefits and the financial support that you're entitled to. So at MDUK, we support people to overcome those barriers, to access the goods and services they're entitled to and the support that they require. So really, uh, they, we're here to ensure that people can live live the life they want to live.
1: So how do you go about reaching out to the affected population to let them know that your services and supports are available?
0: Yeah, so we try and reach people through a, a wide array um, of, of means. So we have a, we have a helpline, and an email health service where people can, can find us. But in terms of us reaching out into the community, a key thing we do is work in partnership with the National Health Service um, across the United Kingdom so that when people are diagnosed with a condition um, by a specialist or they are receiving help and support from the NHS, that um, people know they can come to us for a wider range of support. So someone may, re- may receive support, such as a physiotherapy appointment from a clinician, but they actually may also then talk to their clinician about needing to access benefits. And that's where we can be referred to. And people often come to us via the NHS. But we also try and have a, a presence in clinics. We run a, a, sorry, a presence um, in the community. So we run a number of events through the year where people can, can come and find out more about their conditions, particularly if they've just been diagnosed. Um, and also we have um, a really strong peer support group. So people often... Um, find their way um, to us through Facebook groups or through word of mouth, um, and we really try and work really closely with people who are affected by their conditions themselves to provide support to their deaf peers.
1: So, in your work, do you ever encounter any myths or stereotypes about these conditions?
0: Yeah, I think a really big stereotype for the conditions we cover is is that this is that muscular dystrophy is is one single condition, whereas actually it's a it's a term that covers over 60 different muscle wasting conditions. And if you think about how important our muscles are, they um, help us do the things that we want to do, that we need to do, and they're essential. So um, a big myth is that it's one condition when it's just 60. Um, I think also as well, it's a very rare condition. So as I say, in the UK only affects 110,000 people, these 60 different conditions. So often they're confused for different conditions like multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease. And then a really uh, common myth um, really centers around how the conditions affect people. So because these are conditions that affect your muscle strength, they can lead to things like slurred speech or tripping and falling. So um, a very unfortunate stereotype or myth is that people are often confused um, for being drunk in public um, or for having had you know, a funny turn when actually it's a very serious um thing that's happened in terms of their muscles, um, letting them down or becoming weak in a certain situation. So that's a, that's a big myth we face: is that actually these aren't medical conditions. They may people may make assumptions that someone has been has been drinking or is or is experiencing some other side effect of of using a substance.
1: That being said, I'd imagine that uh, because they resemble so many other conditions. There's a risk of getting improper treatment as a result of improper diagnosis.
0: Yes, that's right. And I think diagnosis has really improved over um, sort of the past decade or so. But um, there is a term in the UK called the sort of diagnosis odyssey, which is true of many rare conditions. So it's a, a GP, so a general practitioner in the UK, which is the first place you would go with a, with a medical um, query um may actually never ever come across a patient with a with one of the conditions we cover so often people are um referred to the wrong specialist to start with but then end up getting a diagnosis but it can take people a a couple of years to get the correct diagnosis some of the conditions we work with are so rare that actually people don't have an accurate diagnosis they just know they have some form of muscle wasting condition um, which can make it quite hard to plan treatment but there are some common um Common themes for support that people need if they have a muscle wasting condition: so access to physiotherapy, um, access to respiratory support, access to cardiac support, um, those kind of things. But yes, it, it, diagnosis has become far better, but it's still a challenge. So,
1: in your time with MD UK, has there been any success moment that stands out for you?
0: Yeah, I think a huge, a huge area of success and, and um, positivity for our community over the past four years, which is the time I've been with the, the charity, is. Is the access to treatments that are available. So four years ago, there were one or two treatments only. There was one treatment for Duchenne muscular dystrophy um, and and one treatment in the offing for something called spinal muscular atrophy. Um, Today, we're active on 11 treatments being rolled out to the public, either being um, appraised by the health bodies in England and and, and the UK or actually available on the NHS. So that has been a huge step change and there are more treatments coming and that's because um, investment in medical research has paid off, but also just our understanding of genetics and the advent of genetic therapies um, has made a huge difference. So that's, that's one big success. We're also understanding far more about um, how best to support and support someone living with a condition outside of receiving a drug therapy. So just w- what is the best form of um, physiotherapy? How, how can steroids help someone? So life expectancy for conditions like Duchenne muscular dystrophy, are extending and actually we've played a pivotal role at MDUK in understanding the standards of care for adults living with a condition. So last year um, we funded some work that published for the first time a set of adult standards of care, sort of internationally recognised standards of care for adults with that condition. And I think um, the other success for us as an organisation is just reaching more people. So we are, we're a long way off reaching all 110,000 people, but every year we're supporting more and more people through our
1: helpline, our advocacy service, and through our sort of peer support forums. i thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Great,
0: no problems. Andy Link, we'll be
1: right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. Hey you. Yes you. Thanks for listening to the station. CJM is a nonprofit organization dedicated to our community and you, the listener. We are able to operate because of the funds raised by our communities, but this is often not enough. We are asking for your support, which you could do by contacting our federal member of parliament, call a right, and ask them to support the development of a community broadcasting fund and extend the local journalism initiative. Learn more at ncra.ca slash help. That's ncra.ca slash help. Thank you once again for your support. Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out I-C-H-A Windsor on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, Robert Burley told us a little bit about MDUK. Jess Silver gave us an update on Flex for Access. In this segment of our show, Jennifer Evans will be telling us a little bit about Therabounce. So what can you tell me about Therabounce?
3: So Therabounce was founded by myself um, over two years ago now in March of 2020. And Therabounce is a local organization within the GTA that provides rebound therapy to children and adults with a wide variety of diagnoses and disabilities. So rebound therapy at its essence is the therapeutic use of a trampoline for exercise, ac- Activities and recreation for individuals of all needs. So, so, I myself come with a physiotherapy background, so I really utilize the principles that come with rebound therapy in combination with my physiotherapy skill set and background to really target unique goals and motor milestones for a lot of kiddos who typically wouldn't be accessing a trampoline in the mainstream environments. And utilizing the properties of the trampoline, such as the un- stable surface the ability to manipulate the forces with the trampoline to really challenge and target these kiddos in ways that traditional physiotherapy can't but also with the joy and the fun that comes around being on a trampoline and having access to something that you know in the mainstream is difficult often for these kiddos to have access to so i'd
1: imagine that uh doing something in kind of a fun way be a little more freeing for these kids uh as they go through their therapy, don't want to be thinking at every moment about uh, the hardships that are generally associated with uh, going through therapy and treatments. Doing something you like you got
3: that. It. exactly with the trampoline. It's well, our, our tagline really is we well, where therapy and fun meets because it's it's the combination and the best pieces of the two put together. Where we are working towards a goal, whether that's you know communication fine motor, gross motor, head control, you know, it varies for every kiddo, but we get better participation, we get more engagement, we get kids counting down the days to their TheraBound sessions, when often their, you know, other therapies that they access aren't always as perceived as positively by the kids, because it is hard, therapy is hard, and I work in the mainstream physiotherapy setting as well, so I I know the hard, Um, and you know, our kiddos, especially those with complex needs, are so therapized, in their daily life and to give them something that feels more recreational for them and really pushes that enjoyment piece while still having the benefit that parents and caregivers are looking for, um, I think is a really wonderful kind of approach to therapy and a nice adjunct for these kiddos to add into kind of their current therapy routines.
1: So how do you reach out to the disability population to let them know that this could be an option for
3: them? Um, so I myself, I work in pediatrics, so a lot of our um, caseload at Fairabouts is pediatric-based. Um, we do have a few adult clients as well, but because a lot of my contacts are in the pediatric world, that's kind of our biggest population at present, and we're hoping to grow our adult population. Um, but it's really through our biggest thing at the moment is word of mouth, to be honest. Um, social media has a huge component, especially I just think it's so incredible for you know, caregivers and families to see a kiddo that looks like their kiddo on a trampoline doing something that they never thought was possible for their child. So I do get a lot of contacts through social media who are just like, I can't believe that child with cerebral palsy is jumping. I never thought that would be possible. Um, as well as, you know, connecting with local clinics and other care providers and just sharing more about Therabounce and what we're doing because rebound therapy is so novel and new in Canada um, with Therabounce being the first in Ontario to offer it. Um, it's, you know, getting information out there and obviously chats with um, situations like chatting with you and, you know, just the more that we can share about TheraBounce, the wider populations we can reach, and then the more, you know, access to services are out there, especially for the adult population, where we know there's a huge drop-off in services once you're at the age of 18. And for them to still be able to access something that is both fun and functional, um, I think is a really unique opportunity.
1: So, in your time with TheraBounce, has there been any success moment that stands out for you? Oh so many so many
3: client oriented um you know i've worked with a number of kiddos but i can think of one in mind who has a diagnosis of diplegic cerebral palsy and when he first started with me standing independently on the trampoline wasn't possible because of the unstable surface walking across the trampoline wasn't possible let alone jumping but his goal was to jump and while he loved jumping with support he really wanted to jump on his own and it was that determination And we got creative, and within three months of TheraBounce, he did two jumps independently. This past year, we've pushed, 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 and he did 3,000 consecutive jumps um, about six months ago. for His 45-minute session was entirely jumping, and he did not stop. And it was just incredible, this child who, a year prior, couldn't stand on the trampoline and is now jumping independently for literally 45 minutes straight and then able to translate those skills. He had his birthday party recently at Sky Zone, you know, translating those skills to the mainstream and showing in such a, you know, mainstream setting, such as Sky Zone, that like look at what is possible for any kiddo and any adult. Um, But it's the passion and drive. And I think he really showed that, that, you know, you can't put limits on anything, Um, you know, and we know this in the physio world. I mean, I try not to limit any child, In my mind of what their potential is, but he really kind of threw it in my face that you don't, you can start from really struggling with something and find the utmost success if you've got kind of the right adaptability in how you approach things, as well as his just pure perseverance to do what he set out to do. Um, so that was a really, really special moment. And we've had, you know, many more come through like that, but that was the first one where I was like, okay, we've got something here. You know, we're able to teach something that is so motivating for the kiddos that they just want to push themselves. And yeah, it was, it was really incredible that moment actually.
1: So that being said, uh, about the teaching methods in particular, do you use any modified techniques to, to work with them, to get them on the trampoline?
3: Absolutely. So there are its basis, um is really the use of the trampoline and what you do on there. The rebound therapy course teaches, but also bringing in your own background. So like I said, as a pediatric physiotherapist, I've got a few years of experience under my belt and my ability to adapt and think outside of the box a little bit and introduce pieces onto a trampoline that wouldn't usually go on a trampoline. So for example, we often use pool noodles um, to support kiddos around their chest when we're doing jumps together so that I'm not having to grab them and I can get that little bit of distance. And then with that means I can distance myself from them more and more, giving them more independence while still having control and safety measures in place. Um, We do a lot of balanced work using different inflatables like a peanut ball or a donut ball. We incorporate those on the trampoline to work on sitting balance. And for kiddos who couldn't necessarily move the trampoline themselves are able to bounce on that peanut ball and get those bounces going themselves. So lots of different modalities. There's no one really that we wouldn't take onto the trampoline. There are some contraindications to rebound therapy. Um, But beyond that, we basically find a way to get every participant that approaches us onto a trampoline and experience bouncing in whatever way that looks for them, whether that's in a standing position, whether that's staying laid on their back due to whatever their physical presentation is. But we're able for them to experience that movement, and it's so novel and unique. Um, You know, we... Have a variety of equipment at our kind of disposal that we utilize, and it, it's not what you would typically see within a gymnastics or trampoline setting. And we really are kind of reinventing the use of the trampoline in a more therapeutic way by bringing on all these different pieces that typically wouldn't be seen there.
1: I'd like, to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Absolutely. When it comes to working with kids with disabilities, it's always easier find a way to make the rehab cool for them something in Gates why I love the idea of thereabouts actually reminded me of an innovative therapy technique used on me when I was younger this has been handy link I'm your host cam wells reminding you we're all equal so get on out there and have yourselves
2: a good one something tells me you've earned it folks we'll see you next week